Good morning, good morning, everybody. I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, another day for another great study. We're going to be continuing on our look at the Gospel of Luke. So we finished up uh, chapter 12, we're now up to 13, obviously. And uh, Again, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away, be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you just please hold that to the end of the study. We'll try to get to it then or to the next broadcast. I want to try to limit our rabbit trailing. All right, so we're up to Luke chapter 13. There's a few things we're going to be talking about here in the first few verses. Uh, regarding the gospel. Now, there's a lot of discussion and debate surrounding the gospel from a, from a lot of different angles, uh, but primarily from uh, different camps that uh, talk about repentance specifically. What is repentance? Is repentance required? Uh, is repentance works? Or is repentance something else? Or do you need to repent to be saved? So there's a lot of questions uh, regarding that. So we're going to be addressing that. We're going to be kind of going over the gospel of salvation itself in somewhat uh, deeper detail. So I hope that uh, you appreciate this. and hope this be a help and a, and a comfort and encouragement to you. And uh, yeah, so Luke chapter 13. So please grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 13. We're at verse 1. And grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the Word of God. Alright, so... Um, in verse 1, we see something happening. It says, There were present at that season... Some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now, this is interesting. We see uh, some news that's going on, some persecutions and things. And if you do studies, actually, on the, uh, the history of Rome and its involvement with Israel and the Caesars and the different rulers and governors and kings and stuff, that, stuff that they did, we see different ones, different kings, and how they oppressed uh, Israel and um, fought, fought them and tried to destroy the Jewish culture. We see certain ones actually bringing quite a heavy hand of oppression and trying to do away with the uh, Jewish culture, the Jewish religion, and trying to bring in the paganism of Rome, trying to force the Jews to worship uh, the, the Roman gods. And, uh, like, for example, the story of the Maccabeans and the Maccabean Revolt. It's quite interesting how the, those things that happened just shortly before uh, the time of Christ that came on the scene. And how they tried to bring back in the uh, the, way, the the Mosaic Law and trying to bring in uh, some of this stuff. It, it's really interesting uh, reading. And it continued on right up through. We see even during the time of Jesus, again, there's still some of the uh, those that are trying to uh, protect the Jewish culture, the Jewish way of life, and the Mosaic law, and the, the, the law and the practices and beliefs and stuff that uh, God handed down, where they rise up as zealots, zealots of the faith, and they're being oppressed. 
Now, many of them, of, uh, of the Caesars and the kings and them, uh, were telling the people that they can't make sacrifices they can't worship uh, as uh, as they used to that they need to follow uh, roman protocol and this stuff so people would re rebel against rome and would continue on serving the lord regardless of what rome said and now we're not actually told a great deal about these individuals these galileans um josephus and those don't uh, necessarily write about these ones in particular but others where similar things have been going on so we can kind of draw some conclusions from that but we also got to be careful about jumping uh, to our own uh, personal assertions what we think but as as we see here these ones are galileans jesus of galilee and some of his disciples from galilee so this news rise up and some think that perhaps this news would be interesting to jesus considering as he's from that area these ones were these galileans were making sacrifices unto the lord they're making sacrifices and pilate had them killed for what reasons were not exactly told but one thing that we can draw from this is jesus response you know we hear about stuff that going on in this world, the different news, uh, the different uh, craziness, the different different crazinesses that society brings in, uh, the, from the rulers and the governments and the society and the paganism of society, as in the days of Noah. So it shall be in the coming of the son of man, son of man, and uh, we can get really drawn off. We can get worked up. We can decide to try to become. Uh, zealots of ourselves for political reasons or we can become zealots of the word of god this is where we need to be very careful we, we need to make sure that our reactions to things are not reactions of flesh but rather reactions of spirit because the flesh wants to war fight bark back chirp back curse back our flesh wants blood the spirit wants righteousness so we got to make sure that our reactions are just according to the word of God and that we don't try to cherry pick the word of God to fit our personal narrative. You see, what did Jesus do? We see later where Jesus actually, when he's standing before Pilate, the same Pilate who killed these Galileans. Pilate. Uh, Jesus standing before him, Jesus says, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Hmm. So, take that as you will, give that some thought. So they tell Jesus about these Galileans who were slaughtered for offering up sacrifices to the Lord. Now, where exactly were they? It doesn't say. Uh, uh, how was it going about? It doesn't say. We're just told just a little bit here. But Jesus takes this information and his response here is he turns it around to a presentation of the gospel, the presenta a presentation of salvation, a presentation of the righteousness of God. And Jesus answering saith unto them, verse 2, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. There are some people who may look at the different persecutions and things coming down as the judgments of god 
that these ones, uh, they're punished this way because they did something bad. Not necessarily. Jesus even said, you'll be hated of all men. You'll be persecuted. They will hate you because of me. In this world, you shall suffer tribulation for my name's sake. Look at the prophets. Which of the prophets did they not kill? Sometimes some things just happen because of sin, because of the uh, horrendous nature of sin and the nature of creation as being corrupted by sin. We see the enemy stirs things up. The enemy will fight against the things of the Lord. Jesus answering says, suppose ye these Galileans are sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things, because they suffered. Does God want us to suffer? Well, no. And on and contrary to Joel Osteen as well, he just says, God wants you to be happy, uh, healthy, rich, and powerful. All right, I guess he guess God hated the apostles. Now, you see, God doesn't want suffering. He does want joy, peace, and righteousness. But the problem is that in this world that is corrupted by sin, we will never have a pure uh, Christian government, Christian uh, society. We will never have peace in this world because of the nature of sin, the sin of the flesh, the sin of the world, the sin, sin of uh, the enemy. So we are go always going to have troubles and issues and trials and persecutions, illnesses, diseases, and death. It's always going to be here. Our goal is to seek that in Everything that you do and in every issue and thing that comes along, we're to seek to try to figure out the peace of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the knowledge of Christ, the wisdom of Christ in all things. Even in persecution, even in death, illness, oppressions. When, as Jesus said, some will even seek to kill you thinking they are doing God's service. And you look at Stephen, the first martyr, as he's being stoned, he lifts up his eyes and he calls upon Christ and asks that the Lord would forgive them, but not the sin upon their charge. Look at the reaction. Look at the reaction. Jesus says, do you suppose that these are, are greater sinners because of the persecution that come upon them? No. Were these ones holier and more righteous than others? No. All people are the same. There are sinners and then there's Sinners that are saved by grace. We're all sinners. All have sinned. All are fallen away. All are become corrupt. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. We are saved by grace through faith and not by anything of our own. We are, we're not deserving of salvation. God doesn't owe us salvation. He saved us despite ourselves. By grace through faith are ye saved. Now Jesus goes on to say something here. Verse 3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. All likewise, li uh, these ones died. All, all will die. Ten out of ten people die. Now, Jesus points out something interesting. Does he mean repent and, you, you, and you'll be saved from persecution and oppression and issues and troubles and trials and that you will never physically die? No, that's not, not what he means. That's not, not what he's getting at here. But rather, we see where Jesus is talking about something else, the life to come, a spiritual death. There's a spiritual death. Just like he told Adam and Eve, for the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, 
they didn't Adam and Eve didn't drop dead the moment they ate of the forbidden tree. But they did eventually die. They did eventually die. So the Lord was talking about something else with Adam and Eve. That there's a death that will come in. And it's not as we may suppose. We got to make sure we understand by pairing scripture with scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth, line upon line, precept upon precept. And as I asked in the comments about the three points of Bible study, we take a look at the what, the how, and the why. What is it saying? The narrative of the text. Then we back up, go again through it slowly, take a look at how it is being said, the specific words and pictures and images, and how can I pair what I'm reading with other aspects of the Word of God, and why is that important, and how can I apply it to myself to go live it, speak it, think it, do it? Why should I apply it to my life? Now, look what he says here. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now, Jesus is repeating something. He's already said this once before. Go back to Mark 1.15. The first sermon of Jesus. Mark 1.15. And Jesus says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's right here, right in front of you. It's right, it's right by your hand. It's right here. It's now. The time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And I always find it interesting as some people say you don't need to repent. Well, I guess you're calling Jesus a liar. Now, what is repentance? Jesus says, repent ye and believe the gospel. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. How? Well, just as with the Galileans, a wrath came upon them and they were destroyed. The word of God talks about flee from the wrath to come. What about the wrath of God? What about this day of wrath? The day will we, that we will stand before the judge. And the wrath of God will come, will come upon those that have not gotten themselves right with the Lord. And Jesus uses this social issue, this political social issue, and he turns it into a gospel presentation. Something that is more important. The gospel of Jesus Christ fixes everything. So we'd see what happened instead of Jesus uh, preaching anarchy and rebellion and stirring up the people to fight the injustice, uh, uh, the, the unjust Rome and the injustice and all this stuff, uh, fighting against Pilate. Rather, we see Jesus turning it to a gospel presentation. And even later on, when Jesus stands before Pilate, he's actually telling Pilate the gospel, telling Pilate who he is and how Pilate needs to believe as well interesting except ye repent ye shall all likewise perish and he uses this as a picture of something that's going to happen to us so jesus goes on and then he says something else verse three i tell you nay but except ye repent ye shall likewise perish or those 18 upon whom the tower in siloam fell and slew them think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in jerusalem I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Death comes suddenly. Unexpected. We don't know when our time is coming. We don't know how long we're going to live. Do you know for sure? 
you're going to be alive tomorrow morning. How do you know you won't take heart attack, stroke, hit by a car, fall down the stairs, break your neck, choke on a chicken bone? Who knows what? Who knows what? Death comes in many, many, many ways. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. You look at a tombstone, you see the birth date, death date, and the dash in between. Everyone's dash is the same. The graveyard, the cemetery is full of random uh, people of all different ages. There's a lot of old people, middle-aged people, a lot of young people, and even children. Death comes upon anyone in any way. In many forms, many fashions. The point is, is that if you were to die today, would you be in the presence of God? Would you be justified before God? Would you truly be, be found born again saved? Would your name be found written in the Lamb's book of life? How do you know? Do you know for sure? If you got hit by a car, took a heart attack, stroke, or whatever. And in a few moments... You feel it. You feel your life slipping away. The darkness is closing in. And, you, and the your mind starts racing with all the fears and worries and wonderings. But as scripture says in 1 John 5.13, that ye may know, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. How can you know if you have eternal life? How can you know? How can I know for sure that when that moment comes upon me and death grips me, my heart stops and I have two, three seconds, five seconds, who knows? Will I, will, will my mind run with the surety and the hope of Christ? Or will I be hoping, I hope I get there. I hope I make it. I hope I'm saved. Or can I say, I know I am. Lord, I'm coming home. Except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. Now, what is this repentance that Jesus is talking about? What is this repentance? You see, there's many different religions in the world, many different belief systems, and if you take a look at them all, every single last one of them is a works-based system of self-salvation. Or I have to do something to try to save myself. That the gods, according to their belief systems, don't actually save you. You save yourself. You atone for your own sins. You got to get dunked in water. You got to bathe in the Ganges. You got to bang your head on the floor five times a day or whatever else. <laughs> you got to annoy enough people by knocking on their door. You got to do something to earn your salvation. You got to earn brownie points. You got to you got to weigh down that end of the weigh scale that your good deeds must outweigh your bad or something. You know that doesn't exist in the word of God, right? Yeah, you know, the the weigh scale thing, that got to weigh your good against your bad that doesn't exist. Uh actually that goes back to uh e the Egyptian mythology of Anubis, the dark lord of the underworld, where according to the Egyptians, you'll rip out your heart, and if your heart weigh, weighs heavier than the feather of truth, you'll be thrown into hell. Yeah, that's Egyptian. That's not Bible. The Lord talks about something else. For by grace are ye saved through faith. 
So when you see grace, according to the word of God, is unmerited favor. Unmerited. That I didn't merit it, I didn't earn it, it's not a reward, I don't deserve it, but he gave it to me anyways because he so loved me. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not works, but faith is believing trust. So by unmerited favor of God, by believing trust, are you saved? Galatians 2, 8 and 9. So take that and overlay this. Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. So what is repentance according to the word of God then? Well, obviously it's not works. Because, well, it's not by works, Galatians 2, 8 and 9. It's not by works. It's not by righteous works, Titus 3, 5. It's not by works of the law, Galatians 2, 16. You can't contradict the word of God. So the word of God says, not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law. So then what is repentance? Repentance obviously isn't works. Something else to repent. Well, when we take a look at scripture, now for I'm to use the old example. I'm driving down the road. I'm going this way. I realize I'm going the wrong way. This way will lead to being lost and getting destroyed. I need to be going that way. And as the word of God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives us a direction. So to repent means literally to realize you're going the wrong way. Stop, turn around, go the other way. Turn your back on this to say that this is wrong. So we see in the word of God, then, according to the gospel, according to scripture, the gospel according to scripture, there's, there's a couple things that we must, we absolutely must understand and realize. That if you get these couple things wrong in any way, shape, or form, you will go to hell. It's that serious that you must understand these things. These are mandatory requirements for salvation. If you don't get these right, you're not saved. Plain and simple. No if and what's or buts. Do not pass go. No second chance. No do-overs. No retries. You got one chance to get it right. In this life only. In this life only. So Jesus says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Jesus also says in John chapter 3, unless, except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So how can I be born again according to Jesus? What is the gospel according to Jesus? What is repentance according to Jesus? And furthermore, who is Jesus? These are some things that are very important. So, firstly... Who's talking? Jesus. By what authority does he have to say these things? Well, who's Jesus according to the word of God? Well, we've established this multiple times before. According to the word of God, very clearly, obviously, Jesus is the Christ. Thou art the Christ, and we are sure of it. Okay, well, who is what is the Christ? The Christ is, what did the prophets say? Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Micah, and all the rest of them. What did they say? Well, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Micah 5.2 says that, 
that in Bethlehem, Ephrata will be born the one whose days are of old, even of everlasting. Do you know what that means? The one whose ways are of old, even of everlasting. Do you know what that means in the in the actual Hebrew, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the prophet Micah? That means the always existing one will be born in Bethlehem. The always existing one. Who is that? Who is the always existing one? That's Almighty God. Almighty Lord, Sovereign King, God will be born in Bethlehem. So he will come down in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, talks about how he'll fashion a body for himself. How he fashioned a body for himself. This is how he did it. Isaiah 7, 14, The virgin shall conceive, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. That means God with us. So, John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was, uh, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is God, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, all across the word of God, you can find this Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. John chapter 4, verses 25, 26. She says, we know that when the Messiah comes, which is called Christ, he will teach us all things. And Jesus says, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus flat out claims to be the Christ Messiah of the prophets who said that the Christ Messiah will be the mighty God. Jesus says, that's me. Then we see in John chapter 8, Jesus literally claims the I am name of God for himself. And the Pharisees get mad and want to stone him for blasphemy. And in another part, Jesus even asks them when they go to stone him again, because he claimed to be God, Jesus says, well, for what good work do you stone me? They said, not for good work do we stone thee, but because thou being a man makest thyself God. So throughout the scriptures, we see very clearly all the way through that the Christ Messiah, Jesus, is Almighty God manifested in the flesh. This is who Jesus is. Jesus says in John 8, 24, if you don't believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. If you actually look at the Koine Greek, uh, John 8, 24, Jesus says, unless you believe that I am, in the Greek, I am is translated as ego emi. E-G-O-E-I-M-I. Ego emi means the Almighty God. Jesus says in John 8, 24, unless you believe that I'm the Almighty God, that I'm the I am, the Almighty God, you will die in your sins. So therefore, according to Jesus himself, it is a mandatory requirement to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ for your salvation. If you do not believe that Jesus is Almighty God, you're not saved. Jesus said that. So that's mandatory requirement number one. So what is repentance according to that then? Is is the recanting, dismissal, rejection, uh, turning your back on any other belief that you may have had about Jesus and believing the absolute truth of Jesus. Repentance unto salvation, the Word of God talks about. That's that which leads you to the truth. Acknowledgement of truth by seeing what the truth is, rejecting the other, and believing on this. So, repentance unto salvation. And ex except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, Everything 
that comes up in society when we take a look at what's going on and the uncertainties of life and all of this and we take a look at the fulfillment of prophecies and things how we're so close to the end that we know the lord is coming our lord god jesus christ is coming he will come again are you ready when the trump of god sounds and the saints are taken up are you going to be there with them or are you going to be left behind when the time comes and we stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, will you hear your name read? Will you hear your name from the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know for sure? So, understanding who Jesus is now, when you look at all the other belief systems in the entire world, every last one of them, who is Jesus according to them? It's very interesting. When you take a look and do the, do the studies of world religions, you'll find that every single other belief system in the entire world, Jesus is reduced in his sovereignty. He's reduced in his sovereignty. He's reduced in his divinity. He's reduced in his power. In some way, some form, some fashion or another. Every last one of them. Only true born-again Christianity do we see Jesus placed upon the pinnacle where he belongs. He's placed on the pedestal where, where the Word of God explains who he is in his full deity and power and sovereignty. Jesus is the Christ, the Almighty God manifested in the flesh, and he is not limited. He's Almighty God. He doesn't need your help to save you. He doesn't need his mother's help. He doesn't need anyone else's help. He is the advocate, the mediator, the intercessor. He's the savior, the redeemer. He's the almighty king. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the almighty sovereign I am. He is God almighty of scripture manifested in the flesh as Jesus. He did the work. He went to the cross. He did the atonement. It was his blood, his work, his righteousness, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He doesn't need anything else. Every single other belief system in the entire world adds to that, takes it away from him, and puts it on you. Your works, your righteousness, your ability, your merit, your goodness, your, your atonement, something of you, of your hand, that you bring to the table. But as the mighty preacher Jonathan Edwards put it, I bring nothing to the table of my salvation other than the sin that made it necessary. Jesus says, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Repent of what? Yourself. <laughs> repent of yourself. Repent of everything of yourself that is of you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Stop believing in yourself. Don't believe in yourself. Don't believe in your heart. Don't believe in your faith, your abilities, of your strength, of your righteousness, or your works. Like Cain and Abel. Cain brought the works of his hands and it was rejected. There has to be an atonement of the shedding of the blood of a lamb like Abel. What did John the Baptist say about Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Repent of yourself. Repent of your works. You're righteous. You think you're a good person? By whose standard? Look at the law of God. Which of the laws have you not broken? And you stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. If he was to judge you by the Ten Commandments, would you be found innocent or guilty? Be honest before God. He knows your secrets. 
He knows what you're really like. He knows what you've done. Every single last word. Every sin, public and in secret. Every thought, every action, everything will, will be brought up on that day. Will you be innocent or guilty? Repent. Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's acknowledging that we're a sinner, we're lost, we have nothing, we're destitute. We're chained up in sin. We're condemned to die. And as the word of God says, we are dead in our sins. We have no strength. We must be quickened to life by someone else, by something else. We're so chained up, dragged, we're being dragged to the pit of hell, and, and we need someone else to rescue us, someone else to, to save us, someone else to free us, because we can't do it ourselves. Repent of your efforts, of your abilities, of your thoughts, of your goodness, thinking that it's in your hand, and somehow that at the, at the last minute, at the 11th hour, you will free yourself somehow. You atone for your own sins. That God is impressed by the works of your hands. God is impressed by your righteousness. God is impressed by your law keeping. Therefore, if we uh, uh, break one point of the law, we're guilty of all of the law. What makes us think that we're better than others? Suppose ye that these Galileans were, were, sinners, uh, uh, were sinners because of the things that befell them? What makes you think that you're better than them? Look at Luke 13, verse, uh, verse 1 and 2. What makes you think you're better than anyone else? Oh, because I keep the Ten Commandments. Really? Okay, so you're better than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of sin. The things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. A wretched man that I am, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the sin that dwelleth in me caused me to do things I don't want to do. But you're better than Paul, who struggled with sin and struggled with his issues. Really, you're better than him. You think you're sinless because you keep the law? You can't keep the law. No one's able to keep the law. The law was not made for the righteous men, but for the unrighteous. You look at Galatians 3. The law is a schoolmaster to sin. The point of the law is to show you how you have no goodness in you and that you can't keep it. That's why there needs to be a substitutionary sacrifice of the Lamb. Repent of your arrogance. Repent of your religiosity. Repent of, of your trying to impress God by being good. You can't be good enough. Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. If you're bringing to the table any of your, your own supposed righteousnesses, you're going to perish. You're saying that Jesus is not the Christ, that he's not good enough, that his atonement wasn't enough. You need to help him save you. That Jesus lied on the cross when he said it's finished. Rather, he should have said, here, I did what I could. Now here you take over. Here, call upon my mommy. She, she will redeem you because I can't. Things Jesus did not say. Rather, he says, repent, believe the gospel. Jesus says, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. And in fact, he says it twice. Verse 3 and verse 5 of Luke 13. Verse 3 and verse 5. Except you repent, except you repent. When God says something once, it's important. He says it twice, it's doubly important. When he says it more than two times, three or more, that means drop what you're doing, pay attention because your life depends on it. 
And it does, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. So let's take a look here about repentance and about the gospel. Firstly, the uh, mandatory requirement of salvation is to understand the deity of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, you're not saved. He's not one of the gods. He's not a god. He did not earn godship. He did not come into some, some Christ consciousness. He's not just some holy man. He's not Michael the Archangel. Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. The mighty God. He is God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of Moses and Elijah. He's the God of Scripture manifested in the flesh as Jesus. He fashioned the body for himself because no man had seen God any time and lived. The God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And there must be a shedding of blood and atonement for sin. Well, God is spirit. Spirits can't bleed. Spirits can't die. In Acts 20, 28, God purchased the church with his own blood. So he fashioned a body that could bleed, could die for himself, that he inhabited. And he gave himself for the sins of the world. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man will lay down his life for his friends. And that's what God did for us, because he so loved us. It all comes together. To repent of ourselves, to repent of our arrogance, to repent of our sins, to repent of our, of our own assertions, of our own opinions, of our own feelings of things, to repent of this world, to repent of all, to reject all, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Because I'm a sinner. Just like everyone else. And I'm going to die. It's appointed to men once to die. But after this, the judgment. The judgment of whether or not you've believed on the Lord or not. You're not going to stay in the grave. You're going to go somewhere. Soul sleeps a lie. It's a heresy. You're going somewhere. And as Jesus even said with the story of Lazarus and the rich man, that, that Lazarus, when he died, he immediately opened his eyes in paradise. The rich man, when he, and when he died, he immediately opened his eyes in flame and torment. You're going somewhere. The moment your heart stops beating, your brain fires the last neurons, you're going somewhere. You're going to be in the presence of God, or you're going to be in the presence of fire and torment, awaiting the day of judgment, where you'll be judged for all your sins and cast in a lake of fire with Satan and all the rest of them. Except you repent, you will perish. But how can I be born again? As Jesus says, you must be born again. Born again? How? How do I repent? How do I believe? What must I do to be saved? As the jailer said to Paul. The gospel means good news. There's good news. Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. But wait, there's good news. There's a way out of it. There's a way of salvation. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. The. The way the truth the life there's only one there aren't multiple ways to salvation there's only one way the way is narrow and few there be that find it broad is the way that leads to destruction and many are deceived thereby the gospel is the salvation of god who is our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the teachings of Christ and how he as the Lamb of God gave himself for us because he so loved us. 
and how our believing on his work of his atonement, what he's done, accepting him as our Lord God and Savior for salvation from our sins, we can be saved, and we can be saved from the judgment, from the second death. There's three R's, if you want to put it this way to simplify it. The three R's of salvation. Recognize we are sinners. Repent of our sins and receive Christ as our Savior. And I will clarify these points as to what I mean, because a lot of people try to fight and bicker about this, but wait, I will explain it with Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, you can't buy salvation. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, it's not by traditions, religiosity and traditions and mysticisms, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Philippians 2 verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Acts twenty twenty eight. God purchased the church with his own blood. It takes the blood of God to save you from your sins. We're all sinners. He died on the cross for your sins because sin demands the penalty of death. The wages of sin is death. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Romans 3, 10 to 12, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So what makes you think you can impress God by your religiosity, going to church and charities and doing all good stuff and trying to keep the law? What makes you think that you can be good enough before God if scripture says there's none that doeth good? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The penalty of sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's appointed to men once to die and after this the judgment. You will die. Are you ready for it? Are you prepared? Like I said before, do you know if you're going to be alive in five minutes? Do you know if you're going to be alive in five hours, five days, five weeks, five months, five years? How do you know? We don't know. Life's uncertain. Nobody plans to die. We expect to live long lives. We expect to achieve lots of things. But like I said, the cemetery is filled with children, young people, teens, middle age, and old. Death doesn't discriminate. But his death, the death of Jesus Christ... His death is the penalty that, uh, but his death penalty was, was paid for by Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And all that is left is our believing on him and what he did. So how? How? Acts 3.19. Repent ye therefore and be converted. To be translated, transformed, changed, made new, redeemed. We were something else, but now, but now we're this. We were this, we now are this. We were the enemy of God, now we're the children of God. We were the condemned, now we're the saved, converted. 
How? Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. It's all about sin. All have sinned. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing, that's the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, Titus 3, 5. Where the Spirit of God that comes upon you washes you clean and seals you and changes you, makes you new. The Spirit of Christ that lives in the heart of every believer, Ephesians 3, 17. Not works of our own, not our water baptism, water washing. Water doesn't wash away sin. Water doesn't save you. Blood washes you clean. Belief upon the blood of Jesus Christ, the atoning work of Jesus Christ is what saves us. And His Spirit washes us clean. Jesus Himself said again, Except you repent, you shall likewise perish, to repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Scripture also says, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10, to 10, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. How does the blood of Jesus Christ wash us from all sin? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So how does the blood of Jesus Christ wash us from all sins? Ephesians 1.7 In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins by the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Acts 10.43, when you believe on his name, to him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth on him will receive remission of sins. So belief alone, by grace alone, by the riches of his grace alone, by belief alone, our sins, if forgiven, were sealed by the Spirit of God. Nothing of ourselves is needed. Nothing of ourselves is necessary or capable of attaining salvation. Our works, our deeds, our abilities are not, are not worthy enough or good enough. You can't do anything. There's no act or work of your own that you must do. Water baptism is a righteous work, a righteous act that you have to carry out. You have to do. So that would be righteous works during the game, which contradicts Titus 3.5. So water baptism is not a requirement for salvation. Belief alone by grace through faith by belief alone is what is required. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Again, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's a work of the Spirit of God alone only. Isaiah 64, verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Our righteousnesses and works are as filthy rags in comparison to Christ's righteousness. And just as in verse 1 of Luke 13, we see the Galileans, the wrath of Pilate came upon them and they were slaughtered. Jesus says, except ye repent, ye all shall likewise perish. A wrath will come upon you. Why? Because of your sins. 
all have sinned. All are sinners. There are many <clears throat> that go to church, sit in the pews, read their Bible, sing the hymns, do all the works, all the charities, try to keep the Ten Commandments, do all the stuff. They pray and do all these things. But they're still sinners. Many will stand before the Lord. Many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord. Many will cry, Lord, Lord. Have we not done? Have we not done? Have we not done? Depending on their works and righteous works and religiosity, depending on their charities, depending on their good deeds and the things that they have done and said to save them, that somehow it'll go towards their charge and they'll earn brownie points and that they will be found righteous. Many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord. And they're depending on their works and righteous works, their religiosities and all the rest of it. But we're saved by grace through faith by belief alone. Your sins cannot be atoned for by religiosity. Your sins cannot be atoned for by eating Eucharist Oreo cookie uh, wafer things. They cannot be atoned for by confessing your sins to a guy dressed as mother wanting to be called father. Mary can't uh, forgive your sins. The dead saints can't. The angels can't. The prophets can't. No one else can. You can't atone for yourself. You can't wash it away by dunking in water. You can't do anything. But believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We must repent and turn from everything of ourselves and completely accept the Lord Jesus Christ and He will forgive us. He will cleanse us. He will save us. He does it all. This is the promise of the Lord God Jesus Christ. All sin will be forgiven. Eternal life will be given. Forgiveness will be poured upon us by the grace of God. So what must I do? Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. God is not willing that any should perish, but God commands all men everywhere to repent. How? John chapter 3. What did Jesus say again? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 1 John 5.13, that ye may know that ye have eternal life because you have believed. So, I just need to believe in Jesus. Which Jesus? So, it's not by works, not by anything here, but belief alone. That's grace. That's the grace of God. That he doesn't put anything, on, any onus on you other than to believe. And it's not works. Again, the unmerited favor of God. So what is the second mandatory requirement of salvation? Grace alone. Understanding is nothing of me. Third, faith alone. Fourth, belief alone. So by the Lord God, Jesus Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, by belief alone, are you saved. So when I turn to the Lord and I see the depths of my sin, I see the work of the cross, I see the blood of Jesus Christ, the atoning work. He shed his blood and died for me, was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 
for my salvation, to show he has power for life and death, the power to give us everlasting life, that he conquered death and hell, he conquered sin, and he says, now believe on me and you will be saved. I just need to believe on the Lord God Jesus Christ for salvation from my sins and I am saved. What did Paul tell the jailer? The jailer came and fell at the feet of the Apostle Paul and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, Go to church and keep the Ten Commandments. Nope. What did he say? Go uh, go to church, get dunked in water, and love Jesus. Nope. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. It's that simple. That's grace. That's grace that God made it that easy. He said it. His words, God who cannot lie, said it himself. It's not works grace it's unmerited favor by believing trust are ye saved and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god a gift it's a gift do you earn your birthday gift no is it a reward for something no it's just given out of love by people who love you they give you this for free it's yours take it okay thank you it's that simple. The gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Scripture promises salvation to all those that believe in Jesus Christ. And salvation cannot be lost or taken away. Because it's not by works to earn, to gain, maintain, to keep, or self-atone. It's all of him, none of me. So how can I lose something that I had nothing to do with to gain? Okay. Again, 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 to 13. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, the Spirit of God, which dwelleth in the heart of every believer, the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of Christ. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Who said those words? Jesus. Held in the hand of Christ. Acts 10.43 To him, Jesus, to him give all the prophets witness. Remember we talked about it, how the prophets prophesied of the Christ Messiah that would come? He'd be born of a virgin. He'd be called the mighty God. He'd be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 53. He'd be put to death for our sins. And his days would be prolonged. He'd be resurrected. Who's that? Jesus says, I that speak unto thee am he. I am the Christ Messiah. John chapter 4, verses 25, 26. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, the name that is above all names, at whose name every knee will bow, every tongue shall swear. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth on him shall receive remission of sins. Your sins are forgiven by belief alone, not by works. Not by righteous works, not by works of the law. So, when we take a look at the word of God, about what the gospel is, how I'm saved, who is Jesus? Repentance is acknowledgement that you're a sinner. 
turning from your sin by acknowledging that it's wrong that, that all this other way that i'm wrong i'm lost i'm condemned galatians 3 about the law as a schoolmaster to sin to show us how we're sinners turning from our sins seeking redemption from our sin that's found in the blood of christ alone and the blood of christ saves us from our sin washes us clean by your faith and belief on christ as your redeemer that which is false repentance a fake repent wrong understanding of repentance is the belief that you must keep repenting work at repenting to earn your salvation upon death no mark 1 15 repent and believe the gospel a repentant heart sees their state of sin and seeks salvation from their sin this is a repentance unto salvation an acknowledgement of an understanding of the penitent heart of the repentant heart that leads you to the cross where jesus christ saves you this is a repentance unto salvation seeing the sin acknowledging the sin and believing the gospel turning from sin to salvation in christ the enlightenment of the holy spirit of god shows us our state and convicts us of our sins we see it and we soften our hearts towards it and the spirit of god then works upon us to bring us lead us to the cross showing us and convicting us and, and we finally we cry out dear lord jesus save me i'm a sinner saved the work of the holy spirit of god that convicts us and draws us in acknowledgement of this, you repent from your sin and believe the gospel. Repentance comes by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. It's his work upon you, not a work of your own. It's not your repentance. You wouldn't even be repenting if the Spirit of God hadn't been convicting you in the first place. So we repent of our sins. We acknowledge the truth of Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You're born once of flesh, of blood, of water. You're born of physicality, but you must, must be born of spirit, he says. Read verse 5. Verse 6. We see born again. There's a second birth. You're born once, you must be born again. How? born of spirit how believe in the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved ephesians 2 1 to 5 and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins dead in incapable of doing anything of your own we're in the time past he walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with christ Quickened means to be made alive, to be given life. Quickened with Christ. By grace are ye saved. So the quickening of the, by the Spirit, by the power, by the grace, by the mercy, by the forgiveness of God. He reaches in and pulls us out. The redemption of sins. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom, Jesus, we have redemption. means to be redeemed, bought out, changed, made new. Through his blood. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, unmerited favor. Hebrews 9.22 
and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. Acts 2.38, And Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, the baptism of flesh or the baptism of spirit forgives sins. For those of you who think that water baptism is about it. Look at Titus 3, 5. By the, by the washing of regeneration renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God that comes upon you. And what did John the Baptist say about Jesus? And he shall baptize you with, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Baptism of spirit. Not physicality, flesh and water. So repent. And be baptized. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll wash you clean, change you, and you'll be made new. Acts 10.43, to him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. By belief alone. Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed the Holy Spirit of promise. Galatians 3.24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith, believing trust. The laws our schoolmaster shows us how we're a sinner, teaches us and instructs us how we're lost and condemned and how we need to be saved. We need a redeemer. Mark 1.15, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. As scripture says, let today be the day of salvation. Why would you put it off? Why would you postpone it? Why would you roll the dice and try to gamble that you'll be alive tomorrow? You say, well, I'll consider this. I'll think about this and maybe tonight. There might not be a tonight. You know how many people have said that to many a preacher and evangelist? Many times people have put it off. They pro procrastinated the gospel and they died before they could. The time is now. Let today be the day of salvation. The time is now. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved wherever you are, whoever you are. doesn't matter what you've done. All sins will be forgiven them to the sons of men. God owns all the souls. And he calls all men everywhere to repent. You can't sell your soul to the devil and say, Oh, it's too late. It's too, I'm too far gone. Oh, I've done too many bad things. It doesn't matter what you've done. Are you worse than, than Saul of Tarsus? Who slaughtered Christians and destroyed the church? He met Christ on the road to Damascus. And he got saved. And he became the Apostle Paul. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done doesn't matter. Nobody is beyond the grace of God. What does scripture say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord God, Jesus Christ, by his grace, through faith, are you saved. John 16, 8, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Spirit of God is convicting you, drawing you, helping you to see this. Many people, their reactions of this, the reaction of conviction is either to soften their heart and to, and to believe this, and others, that it convicts them and it bugs them and it causes them to get angry and they rail and they mock. The reason why they, they get so angry and aggressive is because they see the truth of it and they don't want it to be true. They change the truth of God into a lie and they worship and serve the creature more than the creator. So we see in Acts 3, 19-20, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, your sins will be washed away. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be washed whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be washed white like wool. 
Hebrews 8.12. For I will be merciful to the unright to their unrighteousness. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You'll never have to worry about the sins of the past being brought up. They're gone. They're washed away. The charge is clean. You stand before the Lord, innocent. Justified by Christ. Justified means just as if I've never sinned. I stand before the Lord justified by the righteousness of Christ, by the blood of Christ, by the work and the atonement of Jesus Christ, by the name of Christ, by the cross of Christ, by the resurrection of Christ, nothing of me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we would just repent and believe the gospel, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Is repentance necessary, required, important? Yes. People say you don't need to repent to be saved. Well, saved from what? What happens if I don't believe? If I'm not saved? Salvation from what? Saved from what? He died for why? He shed his blood for why? Why am I not going to heaven in the first place? What have I done to be separated from God? Why am I separated from God? What, what needs to be done to be brought back to God? Why did Jesus need to die? Well, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, why did someone need to die and shed their blood for me then? Because I'm a sinner. So what must I do to be saved? Believe. Why? Why do I need to believe? Belief for what? To be saved from what? Saved from the condemnation of sins. So, what is repentance? Acknowledgement that you're a sinner. Why are you believing in Jesus? You say, we just need to believe in Jesus, but I don't need to repent. You're not saved. If you think you just believe in Jesus, say the sinner's prayer, one, two, three, repeat after me, regurgitate these words, all good. No, you're not saved. You think that because you had water splashed on you, that dunked in water, you're saved? No, you're not. Think you're good enough? No, you're not. You can impress God, got away your good against your bad. That's not even a thing. Mary can help you. Nope, she can't help you. She's not your advocate. She does nothing for your salvation. She can't redeem you. She can't help you. She does not your advocate. She's not your mediator, neither any other uh, saint or angel. Jesus Christ alone. What must I do to be saved? Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. Are those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and, and slew them? Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. All will die eventually somehow a wrath will come upon the wrath of sin and the condemnation of sin is the death of the body but that's not the end of us we will move on absent from the bodies to be present with the lord for the saints and if a sinner dies their body dies and their soul is immediately in the presence of hell there's no second chances no do-overs do not pass and go. No retries. 
Reincarnation's a complete lie. Doesn't exist. And you will spend eternity either in the condemnation of sin, which will lead into the lake of fire for the rest of eternity, or eternity with the Lord in the presence of God, by the righteousness of Christ, in the joy of the saints for eternity. This is reality, folks. And as Jesus used verse 1, the reality of physical, physical social issues, we see what's going on. We see the fulfillments of prophecy. We see the ragings of sin. We see the corruption of the world and all the stuff going on. But what is more important? The ragings of government, of Pilate attacking and oppressing and fighting and persecuting? That we see the ragings of Caesars, the, the ragings of Babylon and Rome and all the rest of it. All stuff that's going on. We see our presidents and prime ministers, our governors. We see the, the foolishness of sin of the world. What is more important? What did Jesus do? Except you repent, you will perish. Jesus turned it into a presentation of the gospel. What is more important? That you're right with God. What is more important than what the government's doing? Are you right with God? Do you know for sure if you were to die today, you'd be in the presence of the Lord? What is more important than the foolishness of society? Do you believe in the Lord God, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior? Are you saved from your sins? Are you ready to meet him? For the Lord will come. Will he find you watching and waiting? Will he find you faithful? Do you believe? You go to church. You say you believe in God. You say you believe in Jesus. You say you say you, you read your Bible and pray and you do all these things. Okay, good and fine. But many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord. Even the devils believe and tremble. Do you know for sure? Do you know? Don't fool yourself. Don't say, well, because I said a prayer, I did a thing. No, no. Do you understand? These things are mandatory requirements for salvation. Did you come to the Lord, stand before the cross, seeing what he did and understanding why? Let's read 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 1 to 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. How can I believe in vain? Acknowledging there's a difference between believing in and believing on. Understanding intellectual enlightenment is not salvation. You miss heaven by 18 inches, the distance from the brain to the heart. You believe in Jesus, still go to hell. You need to believe on. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. There's a difference. Yes, you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. He did this for our salvation. Do you believe that? Do you understand that you're a sinner? And you need to be saved. All have sinned. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. We all know that we're sinners, don't we? We know that we need to be saved. We know that we need a Savior. We know that we need a Redeemer. 
And there's only one name above all names. There's only one work, one atonement. There's only one gift. There's only one thing that can save us from the wrath to come, from the wrath of God. There's only one thing. And that's the work of our Lord God, Jesus Christ, upon the cross, because he so loved us. The so love of God. The self-sacrificing love of God. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man to lay down his life for his friends. And that's what God did for us. God purchased the church with his own blood. He went through the torture and the torment and the shame of the cross. He hung there on the cross and shed his blood. He gave up the ghost. He was buried. Rose again the third day. And he says, now believe. It's that simple. Will you? Or will you try to gamble with death? You'll try to barter, bargain, gamble with death. Well, maybe not right now, not today. Peer pressure, family issues, work. I'm too busy. I don't know. I gotta think about it. Thou fool. Tonight uh, thy soul shall be required of thee. According to the, the story that Jesus told the rich man. Thou fool, your soul will be required. Your soul will be called. Your time will be over. The clock will run out. You'll close your eyes in death and you will open them immediately. Either in the presence of God or in the fires of torment, awaiting the judgment. And you will scream. There'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Send Lazarus and let him dip his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Are those going to be your words? You will. If you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will open your eyes in flame and torment. You will hear the screamings of, of the multitudes that have rejected the Lord, died in their sins. The screamings of the religious, the screamings of all the many, the multitudes upon multitudes will stand before the Lord and he will open the books of judgment. And they'll scream again, but Lord, Lord, name not found written, I don't know you. Are you going to hear that? Is that going to be you? I'm warning you today. It's not going to be my fault. It's not going to be my fault that you're standing there because I didn't warn you. The watchman on the wall sees the danger coming. The, his, the blood will be on his head if he doesn't warn them. I'm warning you now. The blood is on your own head. The blood is on your own head. Stop looking at the issues going on today with the political and the government and social issues. Stop looking at this and look at your soul. Jesus redirected the focus. Stop looking at Pilate. Stop looking at Caesar. Look at your soul. Except you repent. You will perish. This world is going to perish in fire and judgment. This world is damned. This world is corrupted. It will be destroyed. It will be burned up. We're told so. What about you? Are you going to be destroyed and burned up? What about the wrath of God? What about this day of wrath? Are you prepared for it? Are you still separated from God because of your sins? Repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Stop being arrogant and fighting against the Lord and resisting the conviction of the Spirit of God. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell Him. Tell Him. It's that simple. It's that simple. Tell Him, dear Lord Jesus. I accept you as my God and Savior. Please, 
Forgive me of my sins and save me. It's that simple. Romans 10, 9 to 10. Take a look at this. The simplicity of salvation. Romans 10, 9 to 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart. Confessing the belief of the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's one thing to know. It's another thing to believe. It's one, it's one thing to be, to have the understanding, intellectualism, the enlightenment. But enlightenment is not salvation. Knowing is not the same as personal accountability, personal relationship, personally introducing yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, making it personal, making it your own. Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth unto, uh, unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Confess the belief of the heart. Introduce yourself to Jesus Christ. As the scripture, scriptures show, where we are saved, born again, our sins washed away, our, our charge cleansed, innocent before God, by the Lord God, Jesus Christ, by the grace of God alone, by faith alone, by belief alone. The gospel of Jesus Christ fixes everything. If people would only believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, issues and troubles and trials and all these things would cease. But it's because of the rejection of God. Psalms 9.17 The wicked shall be turned to hell and every nation that forgets God. The social issues, political issues, all, all the issues of the world are fixed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus redirected it. He redirected the persecutions of Pilate. He redirected the persecutions of Rome. He redirected everything. Everything is redirected to him. He says, for this purpose am I come, is what he said to Pilate. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. But it's not. His kingdom is before us. It's a different kingdom. It's not of this world. Stop looking at physicality. Stop looking at materialism. Stop looking at politics. Stop looking at social issues. Stop looking at this world and look at Jesus Christ. Who is Christ? Who is he? What shall we do with this one called Christ? What should we do? Give us Jesus or give us Barabbas? I'll end it with that. Who do you see? Whom say ye that I am? As Jesus says. Who is he to you? Does he truly know you? When you stand before him, you say you know him, but... Does he know you? 
Many will cry, Lord, Lord. What about you? What are you going to cry? What are you going to cry out when you see him? Is it going to be the shoutings of joy? Or the shoutings of fear? Is he going to be your redeemer or your judge? Think about it. Call upon him. Let today be the day of salvation. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Give us Jesus or give us Barabbas. And you're going to keep going off your own way. You're going to reject Christ. And you're going to go your own way of your own beliefs, of your own opinions, of your own feelings, of your own wants. The Lord will hand you over. Romans 1, 18 and 25. Romans 1, 18 to 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator is blessed forever. Amen. Now, Second Peter 1, 20 to 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. It's not open to personal interpretations, personal opinions and feelings. Well, I think, I feel, I believe is irrelevant what this says this says flee from the wrath to come this says believe in the lord jesus christ this says repent of your sins this says repent and believe the gospel this says jesus christ is god this says we're saved by grace this says we're saved by faith. This says we're saved by belief. This says there's no other name. There's no other way. There's no other truth. There's no other life. But what do you say? So with that, wrap that up there. And I hope that you'll give this some thought. I hope you'll think about this. I hope you'll believe this. If you have believed and shout amen if you are saved shout amen write it in the comments let the world know what the truth is there's only one truth there's only one thing important there's only one thing that truly matters and that is that souls are saved that is making sure that people understand the truth of jesus christ are you saved are you born again do you know for sure yes Pilate is raging and doing horrible things do you repent? Do you believe? Are you saved? What matters? See what Jesus does? Redirects focus. Let your focus be redirected to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So with that, God bless you.
Thank you so much for joining in. If you have more questions on this, if you want and you want to know more and, and you want someone to talk to, please, please contact me. Don't be afraid to contact me. You can do so directly uh, through our website. There's a, a direct line, direct contact, and you can ask questions if you need. I'd be glad to hear from you anytime. But again, give this some thought. It's that simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Jesus of Scripture. By grace through faith are you saved. And the Lord God Jesus Christ alone. It's that simple. So, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining in. And if you appreciate this, give this a like, give this a thumbs up. Let other people know. And hope to see you again. So, God bless all those who love our Lord God Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love His Holy Word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I hope to see you in the sky. God bless.